You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Florida State once again giving us all heart attacks with a 35-31 win over Louisville. My name is Tim Alibal, and I'm joined by Juan Montavo and Matt Minnick of Tomahawk Nation. And I got to tell you guys, it's 12.52 Eastern Standard Time, and I am wide awake. How about you boys? How, about, how, how goes it, Juan? Well, I'm going to be probably awake for the next three hours. I mean, uh, <laughs> last week against LSU, I was up until like 4 a.m., and I can tell you right now, Chad's up and you know, I'm going to probably have to wake up at seven when the dog starts barking, but uh, I'm, I'm wide awake now. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm right with there with you fellas. And I, I even, I've had a, I had a travel day down and back to Miami in one day for work, watched most of the game on flights or in airport. And uh, we watched the fourth quarter all together on a flight coming back to Tallahassee and I'm wide awake too, despite all. So that's what an FSU win will do for you. And, and Tim, how about this? There have been four weeks of college football this year, and Florida State still does not have an L in the win-loss column. What year is this? I don't know what's going on, man. It, it, it is it is wild to to think that is this is this the first time since 2014 Florida State has started season three now? I think they said 2015. 2016. Yeah, yeah it was. No, 20- uh... 2016, yes, we sorry. were two and zero, and then Lamar won the Heisman right. Trophy against the, us. The, yeah. the TV in the airport went out. It said 2015. We started six and zero when we lost the year we lost to Houston with with, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with a quarterback in that Houston game. That quite honestly, I I maybe in the Slack channel, you know, compared the current backup to, uh, but you know what? Happy to be proven wrong, at least for one night. Uh, yeah, uh, let's start there, man. Jordan Travis went down with a, with a lower leg injury. 
Uh, no updates at this time at, to what that injury is. Tate Rotomaker comes in, and I think his first two pass attempts were an intentional grounding and an interception or, or something crazy like that. Um, and then he comes back and leads Florida State to a victory. Him and Johnny Wilson team up to absolutely torch Jarvis Brownlee. Uh, I mean, Matt, is the fan base, are, are we wrong about Tate Rotomaker? I don't know. I, you know, <laughs> we've all, there's been a lot of cases in a lot of sports where a guy comes in off the bench and, and just is able to make something happy. And remember Lynn Sanity, right? For the yeah, NBA yeah. for like oh, yeah. a week or two, right? Because no one has any tape. No one has any film. No one's, no one has put a plan around like preparing for a guy. And when someone comes in and their first couple passes are horrendous, they drop a snap, uh, you know, the next possession or two, two later, you know, I think there's a tendency to maybe just, I guess, relax a little. Having said that, you know what? I've dogged him in the Slack channel more than most. And uh, he stepped up and made a couple of big time throws when he needed to that even if, I mean, even if you, you know, Johnny Wilson doing a lot of the work on those routes and catches and Juan, I'd love to hear some of your take about Johnny, but um, you know, he made enough throws to make the defense respect it, which then allows our running backs to actually do what they need to do. And, uh, and, you know, he, and Mike give Mike Norvell credit too. the, the second quarter was rough. I, the second quarter was a, was a poorly called quarter. He made mm-hmm. some significant uh, scheme changes at halftime to bring in some extra block. Like, look, we're not going to run the Jordan Travis offense with Tay Rock. That's not going to work. But we made some scheme changes, and you could see coming right out of halftime, they were able to to go down and, and drive the football. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think uh, it's really, uh, really critical what you said there. I think they made a lot of changes at halftime, and uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Tate real quick, obviously, but then I'm going to talk about Johnny, like you said, Tim. And before I get to that, uh, Jordan Travis in the first quarter was one of the best quarters we've seen from an FSU quarterback in a long time. Obviously, he started 11 for 11, but I think his play went beyond even that number. I mean, if that makes sense. Dude, that third uh, down, that first third oh, down yeah. conversion. His throws were excellent. I mean, and he was able to scoot around in the pocket. I mean, get out of the pocket, throw against his body. He did excellent. And um, so to see him go down in that second quarter was tough. And seeing Tate come in and obviously have a very rough couple drives before halftime, we were thinking the worst at halftime. I mean, I, I literally in the Slack channel for Tomahawk, we were talking about, okay, uh, if Duffy doesn't play, then we need to have a talk about a piece maybe where – we say that that Mike Norvell should play him or he's going to, you know, really regret it because you were going to start seeing losses pile up based on what we've seen previously of Tate. And Tate proved us wrong, proved me wrong. I mean, I uh, am, am someone who definitely said a lot of negative things about Tate Rodemaker in the past. Uh, and I was very, very, very happy to be proven wrong. Um, like you said, like you said, Matt, there were a few instances where Johnny Wilson made some really good plays, but I mean, think about the, the 69 yard, uh, 69 yard throw to, to Johnny. I mean, that was 40, 45 yards in the air. Uh, he was open, but it was placed perfectly. Um, and you can think of a couple other, uh, uh, other plays, you know, the, the, 
the, the Johnny Wilson touchdown on the right corner of the end zone, thrown where no one else could get it. Got uh, the scramble before Toa Fuli's touchdown. That was a yeah. big third down play, right? It was. He he really, I mean, the kid the kid had an excellent high school career. We need to set that that part straight first of all. I mean, he played six A ball. He played at Valdosta. He came in as as a four star uh, coach's son. He was expected to be better than his career has shown to date. And obviously his career so far hasn't been great, but then he came in and in the second half, once they settled down, they made the scheme changes. The biggest thing is they went to, they went to 21 personnel. There were two tight ends on the field for, I would say probably 60 to 80% of the second half. Uh, and actually Matt was the one who called it. He said, you got to go to run heavy sets. And you got to start running the ball and doing some play action. And it, it's exactly what they did. They mixed up the blocking schemes they were doing. They they did, you know, they did stretch. They did inside zone. They did counters. They did power. I mean, they basically ran all sorts of different blocking schemes. And the adaptability and resilience the team showed despite a really awful second quarter. Um, and what looked like it was going to start as a really bad second half <laughs> worked out damn well. Yeah, I mean, credit to Norvell and his staff, they made some huge adjustments. And the third quarter specifically on defense, they, until that last Malik Cunningham 60-yard or 40-yard scramble, Florida State held them to 25 yards, and Malik Cunningham only had three yards passing in the whole quarter. I mean, they Louisville finally figured something out in the fourth, but I guess, Juan, what is it about the defense? What was the big change uh, that gave them success in that quarter? To be honest with you, it was it was execution. Um, in the first half, they 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 were missing some tackles. Uh, they they missed some plays here and there. Uh, you know, guys bouncing off on tackles. I mean, and I hate to point to something as simple as missed tackles, but I mean, it 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 was a big difference in the second half. Um, you know, the the we were all quite worried going into the game with Fabian Love it out. Then obviously Jared Verse goes out in the first half. Hopefully, you know, it sounds like he's going to be okay. Tim talked him on the field after it sounded like, and, uh, or, or I think it was, I think it was our photographer, uh, Charles, who, who talked to him and sounds like he's going to be all right. But um, the biggest thing was, was that, I mean, they, they played much better in the second half uh, overall. I mean, they, you saw some one of the one of the things that was frustrating, I think, watching the defense in the first half was you had a couple of places uh, where like Renardo Green had to play cornerback and he's an excellent safety. I mean, we, you know, we saw the tackle for him last week uh, or rather against LSU, uh, but he he he's not really well suited to play cornerback. They moved some pieces around. They executed better. I. I- we got to give probably a shout out to Deloach. I mean, absolutely. That was a big. I, admittedly, I I didn't see every single snap of the first. Uh, there was some time I was in between airports and stuff, but I this I saw almost the whole second half and most of the second quarter, and Deloach really stepped it up there uh, after halftime for sure. And one thing I want to add to that, Deloach, uh, on the final drive uh, where where Malik Cunningham threw an interception. Uh, you know, we we all recall the 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 prevent that Florida State played against LSU, three man rush, no spy. You know, obviously very different quarterback. But this uh, tonight they played they played a four man rush, 
with Kalen Deloach as like a green dog slash spy. Yeah. Uh, up and up on the excellent. line at the snap too. Right. So they confused pressures a couple times. Uh, they only, I think, out of, I, mean, I don't know exactly how many plays it was off the top of my head, but let's say it's 10. Out of those 10 plays, they, they brought pressure from other places like two or three times. But for the most part, they played four-man rush with Deloach's spy, and it worked quite well. And Deloach uh, pushed right there up on the line, and when the back came out, he sort of tracked with the back. And when the back stayed in, he stayed there to see what uh, what you know Malik Cunningham was going to do, and it stifled what they were trying to do on that drive. I mean, it kept them from getting close to the end zone. Yeah. The other thing, Tim, you know, and, and this is an instant reaction. So maybe, maybe I'm even at listening to Juan talks kind of jogging the mind here, but you know, the defense was not dominant. Let's just say that it was not a dominant performance, right. but it was a performance that took Agreed. advantage of mistakes and opportunities. And and I, I recall, was it Taggart's first game, the, the Georgia tech game where Jeff Sims beat us uh there were multiple so i i was in that stadium for like eight hours for that game because of the rain delay and stuff and there were multiple times in that game where there were interceptions that were dropped or you know opportunities to make a play that weren't made and and jeff sims gets out of there with a win and and you know we've seen that over the last few years where it seems like guys just can't quite make the play and and tonight wasn't dominant but they made a, a good open field stop. You know, Green gets a good open field tackle on third down, gets the stop. When the when the chance to get a, um, you know, maybe get a sack on Malik there when they get the ball in a good field position is there, they make the play and, and force Louisville into a field goal or something. When there's a chance to get a game-winning interception, the guy gets two feet down in and makes it. And, and so there was a lot of times tonight where kind of like that tennis player that just keeps hitting the ball over the net and waits for the opponent – to fall start on fourth and one when they're going to go for it and maybe pick it up. And instead they fall start and now they got a punter. So, you know, we just kind of, we kind of just didn't make the, that catastrophic mistake. And when the opportunity was there, we seized it. One thing to add to that. Um, and I'm going to bring up a, a tweet that Brendan Snow of 24 seven sports put out earlier in the second, in the first half. Uh, that FSU gave up touchdown drives of 82 yards, 75, 99, 75, 80, and five of the last six possessions going back to the LSU game. So they started off pretty rough, but then they put it together in the second half. They took advantage of those opportunities, like you said, Matt. I think that was really the big difference in the second half. They, they, and It's something that we talked about a lot in the wake of the LSU games. They finished drives this time, which they didn't do in the LSU game. Mm-hmm. Especially in the second half, they're lear- they're learning how to how to make winning plays. You know, when when the winning play is there to be made, they're learning how to make them. And uh, can you talk a little uh, a little more about that, Matt? We talked about that in our Slack chat a little bit. Like, um, you know, we we you know tend to get away from soft factors or intangibles, yeah. but can you elaborate on that? Yeah, and and I I'm not a fan of soft factors either. By the way, like I don't. I don't really think of momentum in terms of like week to week momentum. I, I was around a lot of athletes in college and stuff and, and guys it's new week, new opportunity. You kind of put that stuff to the side. I, maybe there's such a thing as momentum within games because you get behind and maybe you start to press or do something that you're not capable of doing, but not week to week crowd soft factors and stuff. But 
learning to win, I don't think is a soft factor. And we've seen coach Hamilton over the last decade instill that culture in his players where they are able to fall back on well-trained habits to make the right play. When, when your body is tired, when your mind is tired, when, when there, when the pressure gets higher, it's easy to make mistakes. That's people make mistakes. It's, it's not, it's not so much of a clutch gene as, as, are you able to, to avoid the mistake, right? And just be what you're supposed to be. And, and we have cli- like, go back and look starting last season, close win against Miami, right? I think we had a close win against BC, didn't we? Yep. Um, close win against LSU to, to start or two weeks ago. They, they're clearly, clearly has been something that has clicked with this football team's culture in terms of figuring out ways to come up with a winning play instead of a losing play late in games. That's not to say yeah, we're going to win every game. I'm not, we're not going 12 and 0. I'll just put that one more thing. Right. I do want to, <laughs> one more thing I do want to add to that. Sorry, Tim. Uh, but one more thing I do want to add to that is um, I forget who the player was, but uh, at the end of the LSU game, one of the players went up to, to, to Mike Norvell and said, you know, hey, we're, we're, uh, you know, they don't work like we do. I mean, and, I, and like you said, it speaks to their practice habits. It speaks to the work that they put in together in the off season that they do, you know, the seven on seven drills, they go to the weight room. Um, and the biggest thing is I think, you know, they bought in to showing up and doing the work, which is 90% of college football. I mean, Outside of the you know final five ten percent that gets you into a national championship with the talent that a, you know a team like Georgia or a team like Alabama has, plus that's that that work, I think that they're putting in that good high level of work. Obviously, they don't have the talent of in Alabama or Georgia. We're not going to be talking about a national championship game at the end of the season or anything like that. But it damn sure matters in college football that the guys have actually bought into what the program is trying to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, Ed Norvell's closing presser, he said a lot of things like that. Like he, he, at one point he said, this team isn't for everyone. This locker room is not for everyone. And so he talked about how they worked hard, how they were in the trenches, how they did the tour of duty together and how that team is learning and growing together. And if, if I could, if I could kind of put a bow, honestly, on this game, because I know we need to kind of wrap this up here in a minute. It's that it's exactly what you said, Matt. This team is growing and they're learning and they're either learning how to win. They're learning how to handle the pressure. They're learning how to really operate in these situations that matter. Now, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the season. If Jordan Travis is is out significant time, that could be a, a huge, a huge blow to the team. And, you know, this season as, as, as a whole, but I think at this moment, right now, this is the best you've probably felt about a Florida State football program since when, Juan? Um, probably since going into the Oklahoma State game. Um, I mean, you know, obviously that was a very good season. You know, they did very well over the course of that year. But uh, <laughs> I, I hadn't, I haven't had this sort of positive feeling about a Florida State team this deep into a season since then. I mean, you know, Florida State obviously has had some great seasons. I guess you can, if you include the last decade, <laughs> the latter part or the earlier part of the pre- the pre- previous decade, but um, 
I yeah, think, even some I of those 2015 and 16 teams, though, like you could kind of see, like, man, if we didn't have this guy named Dalvin Cook, I don't think we'd be very good. <laughs> <You> <laughs> right? <know>? Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't That's feel great about was, our team. I felt great about Dalvin Cook. <laughs> it, it it definitely wasn't that sort of feeling tonight, which is nice. I mean, it was it was definitely okay. You lost your best player on offense. You lost your best player on defense, and your second play, best player on defense, and Fabian Lovett is out, and then you lose your left tackle. You lose your left tackle. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, sort of, you know, if I if I were, were to give my two takeaways from from tonight, number one, I wrote an article on Tomahawk a week or two ago. I think after the LSU game that we should be using Johnny Wilson more in the slot, not outside as a number one receiver. I was dead wrong about that. I mean, he clearly showed that he's able to, you know, with a limited route tree, go up there, get the ball in a way that he didn't show before. And number two, uh, there's depth on that defense that wasn't what I expected, um, better than I expected, frankly. Shaheen Brown, man, he he's pretty good. I I, I don't follow recruiting like y'all do, but, I mean, I feel like he's oh. stepped up on the field and made some important plays early in his career that you don't see true freshmen making. He was a fun one out of Lake City. Um, Columbia High School there in Lake City off 41 right next to the restaurant. I do like Columbia love. High School, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, and and Brian um, – oh, Matt, you'll, you'll know the name better than I do. Brian uh, – Brian Allen? Yes. Uh, he's the coach there, and and yeah. Shaheen Brown was, you know, uh, uh, I think Tim, Tim would know better, but a uh, low four-star, high three-star. No, I don't. I think he ended up a three star. I, he wasn't. Well, that's a whiff. He like yeah. at first he was he wasn't even ranked. I don't think when Florida State first offered or even got him committed, or when Allen was first trying to get people to 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 bring him on. I don't think he was even ranked. It was it was pretty wild. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got I, I got two put, thoughts, go. Tim. So if yeah, we can, I don't. So my two. I, I first of all echo what uh, Juan said about Johnny. That that was a big step up game for him. I don't know if that's one of my two thoughts, but that, that he showed some things that we had not previously seen. Uh, kudos before, to him. before you go to your second point. Um, I just want to say we're all going to be typing Johnny in all caps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, he, I, I'm sure he'll have some games with some dropsies like, like young receivers do, but, uh, but tonight he showed he could take over, um, you know, so I, the, I, you mentioned the depth. The depth is the depth is better. Like, look at the depth at running back. Look at the depth at OL. I mean, I had I had some non FSU fans texting me saying, "Man, y'all's OL is really better." Like, I had some friends that you know follow SEC schools. They're like, "It's not it's not the greatest OL, but it is way better than it was two three years ago." Uh, and and I think that moving forward, if Travis is out for any length of time, is going to be really key because we're going to have to ground and pound. We're we're going to have to create an offense that can ground and pound run Benson run Ward and hit some play action when, when it's there and, and use some mismatches with Johnny. The the other thing, and I hate to be, I hate to take us down to like, you know, downer town here, but um, we, mm. we have a significant problem with our, with our place kicking a significant problem. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, no, it's, I, it's not a problem. It's a disaster. It, in the preview. It, I, I think in our, in our like pre you know, predictions piece, I said, now I picked the score wrong. Two missed field goals prevents this from being a, a bigger win than it was. We missed two. Like, it is to the point where I'm not sure we can kick field goals outside the 15-yard line. Like, I, I don't know. At the 15-yard line? I mean, at that point, do you even want to kick it? Do you just go for it? I, I mean, yeah. 
like I have zero confidence in us being able to even get it close on a 40 yard field goal. And, and that, that, that's a significant problem going forward. I, I was down on the field for the last field goal miss. I had my phone out. I was near the end zone. I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to record this like game clinching field goal. And I just immediately <laughs> deleted the video. <laughs> it was awful. But, but seriously, I mean, I, maybe this is a question for a pod during the week. Maybe y'all, maybe y'all attack this during the week. We had, like, we had our nice win tonight, you know, don't, but we either have to find a different player or start calling third down plays as if we're going, you know, as yeah. if we're going for uh, on fourth down when we're in the, we're in the red zone. If you're, if you're inside the 40 and I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who would definitely trend to be towards conservative in terms of fourth down play calling. It's just my nature, just the way I've been, just, uh, you know, following Jimbo for a long time, really, um, at Florida State. But the first the first field goal that he missed, 37-yarder, which was on the 22-yard line, I believe it was, was like fourth and three, fourth and four, something like that. Mm-hmm. I thought we probably should have gone for it there. Um and I didn't hate the decision at the time, um, but now you know after seeing the game with two kicks, uh, with two missed kicks from under forty yards, and Robert Aguayo from under forty against LSU, right? Roberto Aguayo was unstoppable inside forty yards. You know, Graham Gano, Dustin Hopkins, obviously both those guys are still playing in the NFL, but you have. If you have a guy you can't trust inside the 40, if you have a guy you can't trust inside the 30, you've got to play like the fourth downs are third down. Yeah. And, and here's That's what you're doing, Tim. You know, we talk about culture. The same kind of thing. There are some basketball parallels. You mentioned, Tim, that Mike said, hey, you can't – not every – this locker room is not for everybody. And and you know what? That's the same thing you hear out of the Tucker Center. Like, you know what? If you're looking to play 40 minutes and get 60 shots a game, that ain't – this ain't the team for you. We're, we're you know, going to win as a team. You know what? What message are you sending to your OL and to your running back? They know that there's not a high chance we're making a kick. What message are you sending to them that you're saying, I don't think we can pick up one or two yards. We're going to try this guy out and try to make a 42-yard field goal that ain't having a chance. I, I mean, I think, to, yeah. You're, you're I, trying to help out that guy, first of all. I mean, it's the same thing with Tate Rodemaker. I mean, if you had gone to A.J. Duffy at the first drive of the second half, who knows if you won that football? I mean, obviously, it's something you'll never know. But you've got to give a guy a couple chances. And, you know, I you're agree. giving – you're giving the guy a couple softballs, you know, 30, 37 and 36 yarders. He missed both. And we talked about it at halftime that if Tate doesn't come out and do well, which obviously he did, you've got to at the very least try the other option. So at this point, frankly, I feel like Brian Fitzgerald has been exhausted as an option. So, yes, at this point, I think you are sending a bad message to your offense. If you trot that guy out there, to go miss another 35-yard kick. Yeah, the bad thing is you don't really have another option. Parker transferred out this past season. But, look, we've gone really long for an instant, but, hey, it was really good stuff, so I'm going to cut us off. But I think, I, think I, I think we're all in agreement. What an amazing win for Florida State. What a complete high in the program. But there are still some cracks that need to be fixed, and uh, whatever happens with these injuries could really shape the season. But I uh, just kind of final final thought. Three and zero, baby. Three and zero, and let's and, <laughs> and, and 
I'm going to say go Aggies tomorrow too. I, I'm not, I am actually a more of a UT fan, but I ain't rooting for Miami in that game. So. Oh, I've got, I've got the Aggies with uh, laying the points. Uh, uh, my final thoughts, two things. Uh, number one, go Aggies, obviously. Um, and number two, I had something in my head. Uh, uh, sorry, Tenny, you got two thoughts? Number two, it's one twenty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> my yeah. thought is coach Norvell has said from the start, his, his motto, his theme, we got to keep climbing. We got to keep getting better every single day, every single place. And I think that's what we're exactly, we're seeing on the field. His, his motto is being shown by his players. That's my thought. Like it. And that's a wrap. I like yeah. It. Well, <laughs> Bring back well for one. Tomahawk nation. I'm Tim Allen Ball. I was joined by my good friends here, Matt Minnick, Juan Montavo. Florida State is 3-0, and uh, and we're, we're rolling. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's keep climbing. That's a wrap.